the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We have a term for it now. We did not have a diagnosis 2,000 years ago. We have a term for it now. It's called narcissistic personality disorder. Narcissistic personality disorder. Gary Smithkey described it as he preached here on Wednesday. Uh, scribes and Pharisees had that disorder. That disorder indicates that you are correct about everything and no one else knows anything. <laughs> that personality disorder leads one to pray, as Pastor Schmidtke mentioned on Wednesday. Scribes and Pharisees would lift up their hands to God in confession and out of their mouth would come these words. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Thank you that I'm not like this publican standing here, so filled with sin. I am thankful, Lord, that thou hast made me holy and righteous. Scribes and Pharisees. There was a question that they posed to Jesus more than once. Uh, Pastor Schauer read it. When he's hanging on the cross, uh, Same question comes out of their mouth. Jesus, if you come down from the cross, then we will believe in you. Then we'll believe you're the Son of God. If you come down off the cross. And in today's reading, they said to Jesus, if you perform some sign for us, show us some sign from heaven, and then we will believe in you. There's one major flaw in their question. And if you have that personality disorder, it kind of rules your reasoning. The great problem was that 24 hours earlier, Jesus had fed 4,000 people with seven loaves and a few fish. Were the scribes and Pharisees aware of it? Absolutely, they're aware of it. Because for the last two years of his ministry, everywhere Jesus was, they were. They were either there in person or they had paid someone to spy on him. And whatever tidbits those individuals bought back, they were well compensated by the Pharisees and the scribes. They knew that 24 hours earlier he had performed his great miracle. And yet out of their mouths comes these words. Do some miracle and we will believe in you. The day before he fed the 4,000, Canaanite woman came up to Jesus, said, My daughter is possessed by a demon. Horrendous. She's possessed by a demon. Her life will never be the same. The scribes and Pharisees know about this episode. You better believe they knew about this episode. Jesus says to her, Can't help you. You're Gentile. I come for the Jews. She made that enormous statement of faith. 
that awed even Jesus. For she said to him, I, Master, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the Master's table. And Jesus stood back and he said, I haven't seen a face like this, and this is from a Gentile. He said to the woman, go back home, your daughter is healed. Do the scribes and Pharisees know about that miracle? Yes, they did. I dare say they interviewed the woman as they interviewed the blind man some weeks earlier. They interviewed the woman, was your daughter truly demon-possessed, or did you just make that up to make Jesus look good? They knew everything that he was doing and saying, and they kept copious notes. They had seen the miracle, you weren't healed if you were possessed by a demon. But when Jesus came, you were. You weren't healed if you were blind from birth. But when Jesus came, you were. You weren't healed if you had leprosy, but when Jesus came, you were. And the day before that, Jesus, Matthew 14, he fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And he's walking on the water at midnight when the storm comes up. And he tells Simon Peter, get out of the boats and walk on the water. Three enormous miracles in the previous days. And they are so filled with hatred toward Jesus. They are so disturbed in their minds that they are literally asking him, give us some sign and we will believe in you. And Jesus then gave them his lecture. And when he's given them his lecture, then he turns to his disciples and say, Watch out for the teachings of the scribes and the Pharisees. They are dangerous people. And then a couple of days later, they are in the resort city of Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? His curiosity was aroused. He knew what the scribes and Pharisees thought of him. But after all of these miracles, he asked the question, as he gets closer to the cross, Who do the people say I am? Nicodemus would say to him the night before he dies, No one can do these miracles unless they be from God. Jesus said to his, who do the common people say I am? And they replied, some say you are John the Baptist, risen from the dead. Some say you are Elijah, risen from the dead. Why Elijah? Because Elijah, by the power of God, had healed leprosy. 2 Kings 5, Naaman the Syrian commander. And some say you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Jesus nodded his head, paused for a moment, then asked the twelve a dangerous question. Because the cross was coming very near, he asked them a dangerous question. He said, who do you say I am? And maybe his heart froze, 
as he was waiting for their answer. With all the miracles he had done, with all the teaching about God's kingdom that he had done, what would they say? Simon Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And if you and I can get goosebumps, and if Jesus was human, and both God and man, then Jesus got goosebumps at that moment. And he said, Blessed are you, Simon, because this was not revealed to you by man. Or else you would have said, well, we think you are Elijah or John the Baptist or one of the prophets. This is not revealed to you by man. This is revealed to you by God. And then he said to Simon, You are Peter, and on this rock, namely your confession that I am the Son of God, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The disciples said to Jesus one day, John six twenty nine, What must we do to do the work of God? And Jesus said there is only one work. He didn't say love each other, not at that point. He didn't say follow the Ten Commandments like he did to the rich young ruler. When they asked him on that day, what must we do to do the work of God? He said, believe on the one whom God has sent. Believe on the one whom God has sent. And when Simon Peter on this day said to him, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. It all came together in that one magic moment. That which he had asked them to do, Simon Peter just did. Believe on the one whom God has sent. There is no one here who has not more or less thought about Christ. No one here. No one here. None of his children on this earth have not thought more or less about Christ. You and I have heard about him for decades. We've read about him. We've listened to sermons on him. We've studied him in small groups. We've studied him in our own private readings. For 2,000 years, men and women have been talking and thinking about him. Some have their minds made up. Through word and sacrament and circumstances of life, when miracles occurred in their life, and they saw and knew that the miracle came from God, there was no other explanation. They have made up their minds about him. There can be one episode in your life, and you look at that episode, it might be illness-related, finance-related, pregnancies-related, children addicted to drugs-related. It can be any number of a hundred things. And some circumstance in your life will bear the fingerprints of God so strongly upon it that from that moment on you had no doubt that God was real. I've told you many times that as I visit people who are dying, there are sins that they want to confess. There are also on their lips episodes in their life which they will share with me, that have no explanation except God himself was there at that moment. 
And that circumstance, blessed by God, is what gives them peace in their dying hour. Does not the Bible say, John 20, Jesus did many other miracles not recorded. 4,000 feeding of them is recorded. The demon-possessed woman who's a Gentile, that's recorded. The feeding of 5,000 recorded. 35 miracles recorded, but hundreds not recorded. And some of those not recorded are the miracles that have happened in my life and in yours. Is it a proper question to ask, what think you of Christ? Halfway through the season of Lent, is it a proper question to ask, what do you think of Christ? Are you embarrassed by the question? If I ask you about Trump, you not hesitate to voice your opinion for or against. If I ask you about any political figure, if I ask you any about any sports figure, if I ask you about some rock star, if I ask you about someone in the news, do not hesitate for a moment to voice your opinion. If one is asked about Christ, Would you be embarrassed to voice your opinion? Jesus said in Matthew 10, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I'll acknowledge them before my Father in heaven. But whoever is embarrassed about me on this earth, I'll be embarrassed about them as I'm speaking to my heavenly Father. Matthew 10:32. Have you made up your mind about the Christ? If so, is there evidence that you know him? In word, in deed, in time, in talents, in treasures, is there evidence that you know him? Pastor Brunner preached a sermon here some 25 years ago. And the gist of that sermon was exactly that. And I've never forgotten it. I, I wrote notes about it. He said, would there be evidence in the eyes of others, your family, your friends, those at work, those in the neighborhood, those in the families you've married into, would there be evidence that you are one of his own? What think ye of Christ? What do you think of his teachings? The Bible says he taught as no man ever taught. What do you, what do you think of his teachings? Are they still valid? Have they made an impact on your life? Are those who are pure in heart still blessed by God? Does that make a difference in your life? Blessed are the peacemakers. That's still valid today. I mean, that's 2,000 years ago that teaching was taught. It is still valid today. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy from God and from us. Is that still valid? Or is that teaching from the lips of Jesus so ancient 
that we don't even think about it anymore because it isn't fitting with the times. Blessed are those who mourn over sins committed, for they will be comforted. Is that still valid? I mean, people were troubled by their sins 2,000 years ago and maybe a 1,000 years ago, but are people still troubled by their sins? Or is that so ancient a theological thought it doesn't even exist anymore? When Jesus says, do not be afraid, I am with you always, even to the end of the... Is that still valid? Or do we have enough therapists today and enough medicines today, a pill you can take if you're fearful and your fears go away? Are his teachings still valid? Do we have fears? Yes, you woke up with him this morning, didn't you? Or you went to bed with him last night. Maybe a grandson, maybe a granddaughter, maybe a son, maybe a daughter, maybe a brother, maybe a sister, maybe finances, maybe health. You went to bed with them last night, so did I. Woke up with them this morning, so did I. Are his teachings still valid? Come to me, you, with some burden, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Come to me. Leave your burden with me. And I will give you rest. Close to the end, John 14, he says, The Holy Spirit will come. My peace I will leave with you. My peace I will give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Do not permit your hearts, in the Greek, do not permit your hearts to be troubled. Do not permit your hearts to be afraid. In the Greek, do not permit, do not allow it to happen. Are his teachings still valid? Have they touched your life? They did mine last night, and they did mine this morning. Those teachings are 2,000 years old. Ten years ago last week, a young boy, 10 years of age, dies of brain cancer. A decade ago last week, This Easter, for many of God's children on this earth, it'll be the first Easter they celebrate with a loved one actually in heaven. Whenever I do a funeral service, it's always an Easter service. It's always talking about the resurrection. His teaching that your son, your daughter, your baby, your spouse, Your grandma, your grandpa, his teaching that your aunt and uncle or your best friend or your next door neighbor or your boss at work, his teaching that I have gone to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, we'll come back and take you to be with me that you might be where. Is that still valid? Do people still grieve when they are separated from a loved one? And do people still need to believe that the ones they love are in the land of the living up in heaven? Is that still valid? What think ye of Christ? So he asked his disciples. So he asked Martha. So he asked Zacchaeus. So he asked the rich young ruler. So he asked. 
scribes and the Pharisees. What think ye of Christ? The high priest, when he's on trial, Matthew twenty six sixty three, says to him, Tell us upon oath, art thou the Christ, the Son of the living God? And Jesus said, I am who you say I am. And with that, the high priest tore his robes and said, We've heard enough, crucify him. What think you of Christ? When he said to Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life upon Lazarus' death. I'm the resurrection and life. He that believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. He then asked her, What think ye of the Christ, Martha? Do you believe what I have just said? What think ye of Christ? What did God think of him? This is my beloved son, ladies and gentlemen. This is my beloved son. He said it for Jesus' sake. He said it for our sake. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to every word of teaching that comes out of his mouth. And listen to every miracle he shall ever perform. Listen carefully to it. This is my son. What did Jesus say about himself? Jesus said, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and no one shall pluck them out of my hand. The Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one shall pluck them out of my Father's hand. And then out of his mouth comes these words. I and the Father are one. What did Jesus think about himself? I am the Son of God. I am mankind's salvation. There are many other arenas that we could go to. What do you think of him as physician? What do you think of him as comforter? I go one last direction. Have you ever asked one of your enemies to write a letter of recommendation for you? <laughs> Show of hands here now. Has anyone asked one of your enemies for a letter of recommendation? <laughs> you go to your friends, do you not? Simon Peter, what do you think about Jesus? After Pentecost, he, he said... He is both my Lord and my God. And you crucified him. But God raised him from the dead. And after he preached that, Acts chapter 6, many of the priests said, We believe he's the Son of God. But let us go to his enemies and let us ask them, What do you think of Christ? And the first words out of their mouth would have been, uh, we hate him. And if you ask them, why do you hate him? Scribes and Pharisees, Sadducees, why do you hate him? They would have given this answer. This man receives sinners. 
this man receives sinners. Isn't that the very reason we love him? And isn't that the very reason he died on the cross? Because he receives sinners. If he did not receive sinners, forget David, forget looking at other people. If he did not receive sinners, what would become of us? It was one of the greatest compliments he could ever have received. And yet his enemies use that against him. He received sinners. Judas Iscariot, you betrayed him. What do you think about Jesus? He came in, he threw the 30 pieces of silver on the table, and he said, I have betrayed, what? I have betrayed innocent blood. Caiaphas, what do you think of Jesus? He called himself the Son of God. Blasphemy. And so, in the history of mankind, the question goes to every human being. What think ye of Christ? John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. In our Savior's name, amen. Would you rise as we pray? I think about Hebrews quite often. It says, God's people will gather together and they will tell stories about the love and the power of God so that from one generation to the next, people shall know about the Almighty God, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the working of faith within us by the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, may you use word. Gates of hell shall not prevail. Heaven and earth shall pass away. My word shall not pass away. May you use word. May you use the two sacred sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And may you use the miracles that you perform in our lives, even today. Because the Bible says these miracles are done, that we might believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Today, keep us strong in the faith. Tomorrow, keep us strong in the faith. On the day of my wedding, keep me strong in the faith. In the day that my baby is born, keep me strong in the faith. And on the worst day of trial, temptation, and sin that I shall ever have on this earth, keep me strong in the faith. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. My peace on this earth, my salvation throughout all eternity. Such things we pray in our Lord's name. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.